Salt in today's economy, today's world, for us, is not a big deal. In today's context, come from Matthew 5.13, right? It's the, the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, it's, there is the Beatitudes, and we're going to be looking to that. And as we say, the Beatitudes, you know, some people say, well, you know, this, respect, uh, this re, uh, relates to kingdom living and uh, during the time of the kingdom. But the character of believers is to be the same no matter what dispensation we are, right? And so this has... Uh, direct application to us, uh, to the people of God. So we will go from there, right? And it's in the context of uh, persecutions. Uh, this statement follows nine blessed. The Lord goes, blessed be, blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you. And then he goes on to say um, that um, one, <laughs> then he goes on to say that you are the salt of the earth, Right? And it's in, it's, it follows in the hills of uh, persecution, right? Uh, it says, uh, blessed, uh, verse 11, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and shall say all kinds of evil things and falsely uh, against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So on the hills of persecution, the Lord says, you are the salt of the earth, right? Well, sometimes, you know, wait a second, you know, uh, Lord, what are you trying to tell me here? But this follows on the hills of persecution, right? So we are going to look into that uh, at the salt of the earth. Um, two, when we look at these verses, beginning in verse 13 through verse 16, uh, let me ask somebody to read that first, and so then, then we'll proceed. I told Brittany that I was going to pick on her more often last week. So, Brittany, you'll be the first one this morning. Good morning to you. Uh, it's in Matthew 5, verse 13 through 16. Thank you, Brittany. So in this text, we can pick up, uh, we can see two exhortations that are related, right, that the Lord is giving the people, right? Two related exhortations. Don't lose your flavor. Don't lose your flavor. And shine. Right? We can summarize it that way. Maybe some of us can give a little name, a little bit different title. But that's what I see. Don't lose your flavor. And shine. I'm going to focus this morning on the first part, and don't lose your uh, flavor, okay? But as I mentioned earlier, how many of us think of salt or worry about not having salt? Or worry about, you know, maybe some of us worry about having too much salt, <laughs> right? 
right? We have all kinds of different salts, right? You, you have sea salt, you have rock salt, you have Himalayan salt, Himalayan salt, you have, I don't know, Celtic salt, you have salty salt, I don't know, you have flavor salt. You know, we got all kinds of salt. So salt is not a big deal for us in today's culture. We don't think about it, right? But in the times, in the first century, in the time of the Romans, it was a big deal. Salt, it was a way, uh, means I also pay people wages, right? Uh, think of the word uh, uh, in our language, the word salary. Where does it come from? Salary? Yeah, when we pay a salary. The word salary comes from salt, from the Latin form of salt. And that was a way that they pay people, right? They pay, you know, sometimes they say, well, we will say, we will say, well, he or she is worth her weight in gold. You know, they might have said they are worth their weight in salt because salt was very important. As a matter of fact, the Romans have built roads just for the transportation of salt. You know, something that we don't think about, they call it the Via Salaria. It was in, in the Roman area, right? So something that we don't think about today, but when we study the scripture from a grammatical, historical perspective, you say, oh man, this, is, this was a big deal in the first century, in the time of the Romans. Salt was a big deal. Many of the soldiers were paid uh, with salt. That's where the word salary uh, comes from, right? Uh, the Old Testament, uh, in many cases, also reflects the importance of salt in some of the sacrifices that they were offered, right? Uh, they had to remove the yeast, but in some cases, you know, they say, well, you know, we, are, we need to remove the yeast. The yeast was looked as something bad in some of the rituals, so... Uh, covenants uh, that they have. But in some of the sacrifices, they have to add salt. Right? Even we see that in the scripture. And this is a little bit of background for us right now. Right? Um, salt is used a lot in many different ways. Right? We use it in food. It's used in, in medicine. It's used in the, in the regular industry. It's something that we don't think about, but it's used a lot, you know. I don't worry about salt around my house. You know. Look and say, okay, I got salt. You go to the store and you can buy a bag of two pounds of salt for less than two dollars. You know, really cheap stuff, okay. uh, inexpensive. But in this time, it was something valuable. And when we get the salt, we are not really concerned about whether it's contaminated or not. We just don't worry about it. We just use the salt. Right? But in the time of Jesus, it was different. You know, they didn't have the processing systems that we have today, and much of the salt in, in, uh, in Palestine was contaminated. Right? And we'll talk a little bit more about that. So again, the context here is in Matthew uh, 5. It's the Sermon on the Mountain. We find parallel passages in Matthew 9 and Luke 14. And, uh, and we see uh, the, the text here, in beginning, in, beginning in verse 13, say, you are the salt of the earth. Okay. So who is Jesus directing? Who is Jesus directing uh, this statement? To the apostles, uh, 
to the disciples. You know, he's in the Serpent of the Mountain, so it's a little bit bigger than that, right? But that's good, yeah. So, what is the difference between an apostle and a disciple? What's the difference between an apostle and a disciple? Okay, that's easy, so you ought to know that. A kid. Okay, that's a good definition. Okay, Tom? Correct. So, the, all the apostles were disciples, but not all disciples are apostles. And this, Andrew? The Correct. Exactly. They were pinpointed. And we can look through the scriptures about uh, the, uh, the qualifications for, uh, for an apostle. Um, there is more qualification for an apostle than for a disciple, right? A disciple has to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be saved, right? And that person immediately becomes a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, correct? And the apostles were a specific group of people uh, that the Lord had called for a specific uh, mission. The Lord himself picked them up. Good. Okay. So that's what we are. And so what we have here that every disciple, in the context here, every disciple is what? In the text, what does it say? You are salt. Every disciple is salt. Every disciple is salt. You are the salt. And the verb are there is in the indicative, present tense indicative. It means that is a statement of fact. That's what we are. That's what every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is salt. It's a statement of fact, right? Now, um, Let's think a little bit, but not too long, because I think that the Lord left it vague purposely, about the function of the salt. Say, so you are the salt of the earth. Now, salt can be used for many different things, can it? Yeah, it's used in many industries for many different things. You know, it can be used as a preservative, it can be used as a flavor, it can be used for other things. You know, when you, people are curing or working leather, for cleaning stuff, for healing. It's used for a lot of different things. Okay. So what did the Lord intend here when he says you are the salt? He left it vague, right? He didn't say what aspect of the salt we are. But what in, and we'll touch about that a little bit here. But my thought is that he left it vague because his intention is when he says, you are the salt, he's saying, overall, you make a positive influence. You are a difference maker in the world. Your responsibility is to be a godly difference maker in the world. In different situations, we may have different things, but the idea that I take, overall idea, right, because he doesn't specify what aspect of it, but we know that salt is a difference maker, right? So I take it that that's the big picture that the Lord is telling the disciples. You are a difference maker. You belong to me, and you are a difference maker. Okay, any thoughts or questions so far? Tom.
Yeah, it is a good thought. Let's get, we'll get to there. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Just give me a second. And the question that I asked last week, and I want you to think about it, and we'll talk about it. Can salt become unsalty? And the answer is no, it cannot. Okay? So what is the Lord talking about here? And we'll get to that in just a, a second. Okay? But good question, Tom. That's the Lord. That's the Lord. That's the salt. Or can the salt become unsalted? Can the salt lose its flavor? No, it can't. Right? So there is something that we'll, we'll talk about a little bit and kind of mentioned it earlier. But before we get there, let's talk about a little bit about the sphere of the salting. When it says there in verse 13, it says, you are what? The salt of the earth. So what is uh, Jesus' uh, salad bowl? The, the, the world, right? It's the earth. That's what we, and he is salting that earth, right? He's salting that salad bowl with whom? With us, we believers, right? So we are the difference makers in the world. We are the godly influence in the world. We are the people that God uses to, well, somebody thought that we were going to have a dry lesson, huh? <laughs> so we are the people that the Lord uses in the world, right? Because what is the condition of the world? Does the world need somebody to make a difference in it? Yeah. Right. We read in Ephesians, I'll read it for you. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3, says, uh, you, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom you also, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the other, right? According to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, right? Uh, the world is a bad thing. I don't, we don't have to talk much about that, right? So the world needs positive, godly influence, positive, godly difference makers. And the Lord is saying, you guys are it. Uh, you guys are it. Right. Thoughts or questions? Andrew. Chapter 4. <laughs> when he talks about what we do that your brothers and sisters have to save for the right. What happens to someone Yes, absolutely. And we'll get to that a little bit more. So, Tom asked the question about the salt, you know, losing its saltiness. It doesn't. So, but in Palestine, in those days, uh, they didn't have good processes, you know, and this comes with time. You know, we're talking about the first century those years ago. The, uh, the salt was 
many times contaminated. It had different kinds of elements in there in which the salt could not be used. It was bad. It was poison of some of the things that it had in there, right? So when and how, and we'll talk about that, you know, when and how the salt can become useless or lose its flavor, how does that happen? Well, when it becomes contaminated, right? When, you know, if I take a little bit of salt and, you know, if I take out two ounces of salt and I put a pound of sand in that, right? The salt doesn't lose its saltiness, but it's now ineffective because it's contaminated. It's diluted. Yeah, exactly. And we'll get to that a little bit. So the Lord says, if the Lord loses his saltiness, right, can uh, he become unsalty again? Again, we're talking about first century thoughts there, right? That's good. But first, let's think about this. Let's think about the positive side. Because the Lord says, you are a godly difference maker. Okay? So what question will follow that statement? How? How? So think about it for a minute. How am I to be in this world a positive, godly Difference maker. I want you to give me some examples. Robert. Say that again. Okay, that that's not for me, right? I renew my mind, uh, right? That's a good thing, right? I will, and that is uh, important later. So, but into the world, right? How do I become a positive difference? Maker to my salad bowl, Eric. Do you think that's a good thing to do? Yeah, <laughs> right. I share the gospel. Okay, I want to make a difference in people's life, and I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going to make a positive difference, a godly difference. I'm going to share the gospel with them. What else, Tom, and then Amy? There you go. Yeah. So, live a gathered life. Be spirit-filled. Right? Amy. Yeah. Amen. Rory, did I see your hand up? Living out, yeah, excellent. You know, Mac. You have to Yeah, and that becomes at the end. I'm going to ask a question at the end. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, Burke. Do this, do that, do this. Yeah, the Beatitudes. Yeah. Yeah. That's how we have a, a, a positive influence. Our behavior, living a godly life, you know, so the things that you mentioned. Uh, our speech, you know, actually in Colossians, let your speech be 
salty or graceful as we salt. You know, the way that we talk ought to make a difference. Um, Jordan. They have value. They have value. Let me mention some of the things that I have, which most of you already covered, right? But uh, we talked about our speech, sharing the gospel. Uh, we talked about uh, doing good. How about doing good? The Lord says, you know, in, in Thessalonians, we say, do good to all men, specifically to those of the household of God. But it's to all men, right? So I can be a positive influence. What else do we do? Oh, how about praying? Right? Most of us most likely have unbelievers that you pray for. And thank you for praying for me while I was gone. I got a great opportunity to share the gospel with my family. Right? So we pray. Okay? Uh, how am I different? I'm, I'm obedient to God's word. Whatever God says to me, right? How I relate to people, how I relate to entities, how I relate to organizations, right? Uh, I'm obedient to God's word. So I'm a difference maker. I'm the salt of the earth. And in different situations, the salt does different things. But overall, the, the, the big picture that I wanted to draw attention on is that we are a godly, positive, difference maker in the world. It may take different forms at different times in different places. But that's what we, what we are uh, to do, right? So how to do that? And we talked about things, right? Now, we talk about <coughs> salt. And Tom asked the question in the text, well, is, the, is the salt loses its flavor? Again, salt doesn't lose its flavor, but it can become, and it was in Palestine days, it was um, contaminated, right? Uh, so the, law, the salt has some, uh, couldn't be eaten, couldn't, you know. And so I, I tell you something that happened to me, uh, salt-related, uh, a few months ago. So I, I go to Sam's. And I'm shopping, and I'm walking through the area of the spices, and I see the Himalayan pink salt. Man, that thing looks beautiful, doesn't it? That color is so rich, so nice, so expensive. <laughs> right? But I said, you know what? I'm going to get one of these and take it home, right? So then out of curiosity, I decided to do a little bit of research, and figure out what made pink salt pink. And you know what it is? Yes, it's in there. It's actually iron, iron oxide, right? It's the same thing that makes the blood red, right? Makes the blood red. So, but, and then I asked the follow-up question was, or myself, well, which salt is saltier? Regular white salt, the one that is not ionized, right, because they have some uh, stuff on it. Uh, regular white salt or Himalayan salt? Which one do you think is saltier per pound? The white salt. Why? Because it's not contaminated. 
right? And I use the word contaminated. You know, it has, Himalayan salt has different flavors. So pound for pound, the Himalayan salt is less saltier, a little bit, right? It's less saltier than the white salt. Why? Because it has other things in it that make it attractive, make it, you know. Uh, so, anyways, I thought you may be interested in that because I was. <laughs> but, yeah, so uh, the question that, that, that was generated that in my mind, so let me ask the question this way, right? For us, as being salt of the earth, that's what we are called to be. The Lord says uh, that in, in 513, but, uh, if the, but if the salt loses its flavor, so if the salt becomes contaminated, right, what is it good for? So the question for me, yeah, the question for me, for us, and the question I have myself, uh, how do I, how does salt become contaminated? How I, as a believer, can become contaminated? Now I want you to help me again. All you guys know, Anita and the Mac. Not, be, not being in fellowship, would you say, with the Lord or with the Word? Yes? <laughs> well, Mac? Give me a second. My phone is talking to me. My hearing aid is talking to me. I didn't hear <laughs> It says something. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I got a bug in my ear. Say that again, Mark. By, by foreign materials getting into the salt. So you're actually diluting the salt. Right, okay. So I, as a believer, what can that be? Those foreign materials that get into, this, into me. In essence, things of the world. You can pick any. Okay. Uh, but I want you to give me examples. I want you to give me examples. I don't want you to get off the easy. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, the false teaching, right, will be some of the first things, right? Uh, false doctrine, uh, things that get in our way, false practices, things that get in my way, right, that it leads me to become ineffective. I can no longer be a difference maker because... Now, amongst the world, the world got into me. Rather than me making a difference in the world, what is the world doing? Making a difference in me, right? So we have these things here that, that get in the way of me, getting in the way. So, uh, yeah, how do I become ineffective? Well, but if the soul loses its flavor, right? And in those days, you know, that was, look, uh, that was uh, as an impossibility, right? In the Talmud, that phrase is used as an insipid. That's something that can never happen. That's correct. The Lord, soul cannot lose its flavor. But we, but the soul can be contaminated. And when it's contaminated, when it comes out of the ground and contaminated, then uh, I cannot use that on my table. I cannot feed that. I cannot do this. Because it's corrupted. So I can be corrupted. I can be contaminated. I can be impure right? by the things of the world, by what's going on in the world, by false teaching, it may be, right? Uh, and I have here, you know, what are some of the means of contamination? And we say, you know, for, well, let's look at, let's go around 
And um, let's start on this side. Maybe Ron, would you read First John two fifteen? First John two fifteen. And then we'll get Leah right behind. Romans six twelve. Robert, would you take Colossians two eight? And who else behind uh, Chris? Would you take uh, let's say First Peter chapter two, eleven and twelve? And there are more, but these are, I think that this will suffice for us. These are ways or means of contamination. Okay. What can, con- can contaminate the salt? And uh, Ron, if you are there, would you please read First uh, John 2.15. And I hope I got all the right scriptures here. <laughs> Yeah, so what I'm, what I'm looking about here that can contaminate it overall is the world, right? It's the thing. Do not love the world, okay? Uh, the love of the Father is not in me. Why? Because the world is bad. We see that the world is ruled by the prince of the power of the air, right? And so the things of the world are uh, that proposes. You know, I was, uh, I was in Philadelphia. You know, we live isolated. I tell you what, I live in a, in a, in a neighborhood that I'm isolated from everything, right? And uh, so when I was there in Philadelphia this past week, uh, I was staying with my sister, and she lives right in the city. Uh, so every morning we got up and went to get a cup of coffee and you know, to a Starbucks. We bought the coffee at a 7-Eleven, and then we went to drink at a Starbucks. I'm not sure why we did that, but that was she. But anyway, so we wait there, and, and there is a group of people that come together and sit every morning, and we visit for a little bit, right? Uh, and there is this man that comes uh, not every morning, but comes for a few minutes. He stops and, and says, hello, how are you? And hi, I am. And he is completely dressed like a woman. I mean, with a skirt and a hat and talks like this, you know, got his legs all shaved or whatever it may be, right? And uh, never got a, a chance to share the gospel. And I see other things like that as well, right? But that is the world, right? Yeah. So, but you know what? These are the people that need to be salted. Right? These are the people that I need to make a difference to be able to share the gospel with them. What is our tendency when we see something like that? Man, I want nothing to do with that. You know? Like I shared to you before, you know, I went into this restaurant, right, at McDonald's, and I saw this man. I said, man, I got to go see somewhere else. I don't want to sit close to this guy. No, man, no, come on. I'm going to go there and read my Bible, and I don't want to be the salt to this man. The Lord really worked on that. But, yeah, these are the people that we need to salt, that need salt in their life. They need somebody to share so a difference can be made. Ron, uh, I mean, uh, Leah. Okay, so what can render me... Useless, polluted, contaminated. Sin. Yeah. Sin has a negative impact. Sin can contaminate salt to where I no longer effective, where I no longer have an impact on my salad bowl. <laughs> you know, where the Lord has placed me. 
to have an impact. Um, Robert? So, what can contaminate me? What will contaminate me? So what? Thinking wrong, but what it says, you're not. Yeah, yeah. Men's philosophies. Okay, you know everybody has their ideas. You know, I was I was sharing the gospel with my family this past week, uh, last week. And in sharing the gospel, and I said, you know, two things that I wanted to talk to them about. One, I wanted to say thank you for coming all together, because in our family there's been so much tension that we haven't been together as a family for a while. Because my sister is not talking to my brother, and my sister is not talking to her other sister. So we sat all together, right, and I said, well, praise the Lord, you know. So this is great. And then I said, well, the second, the second thing that I wanted to talk to you about is the goodness of God. And uh, so I went on to share the gospel with them. And as I was doing that, after a certain point, one of my sisters got up and left. Well, yeah. uh, she follows a different philosophy. The other sister stayed there, but she said, well, you know, I believe my Jesus in my own way. You know, it's not the Jesus of the Bible. Well, that's, uh, that must be Jesus in Mexico, but it's not the Jesus of the Bible, right? <laughs> so there are different uh, men's philosophies, you know, and we need to be making a difference whenever we can on that. Jordan. Sure. Thank you, George. And we need to be aware of, you know, the Lord says, do not lose your reward. You know, don't become contaminated. There's all these thoughts going around that is going to impact you and is going to render us useless, ineffective, unproductive for the cause of Christ. Um, Chris, First Peter 2, 11 and 12. So then I'm looking for something on the first part of the verse, right? Uh, what would that be? Beloved, I beg you as a journalist and pilgrim, abstain from fleshly desire, which war, which war against the soul, right? So what renders me useless? The flesh. Do I struggle with the flesh? Well, not really. You know, I've been a Christian for 20-something, 40-something years. I have no problem with the flesh anymore because now I'm so mature 
so godly, you know, so spiritual. I have no struggles with the flesh. <laughs> and I do lie, right? <laughs> I tell people, I have, you know, I have most sins under control. I only struggle with three sins, right? Last of the eye, last of the flesh, and the pride of life. That's it. <laughs> we got it under control. Well, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So we saw some of the things, you know, that, that will render me, that I need to be aware of, that if I let them get into me, they will render me ineffective. They will contaminate me, right? For example, the word, uh, the world, uh, men's philosophy, the flesh, uh, disobedience, sin, those are things that will render me useless. So, okay, that's the bad news. So now, how do I keep from becoming contaminated? How do I keep from becoming contaminated? Don't well, That's one way to do. Come together, right? What else? Pray. Yeah, we talk about that. Okay. What else? Stay in the Word, right? Stay in the Word. But not only stay in the Word, okay? Study the Word diligently, right? And James said something about the Word. And he said, do not just be hearers of the Word, but be doers of the Word, right? So there are things that we can do. Read the Word, study the Word, practice the Word, meditate on the Word, right? Pray, do not neglect the assembly together, right? Things that I can do, iron sharpens iron, things that I can do to keep from becoming contaminated. Things that I can do to keep from becoming contaminated. Now, that's good. But what if... What if I have already become contaminated? These are all things that were coming to my mind as we were studying this. I said, oh, the Lord, stop that. <laughs> you know, in those days, there were no processes to clear the salt, right? There were, uh, I read, I, was, I didn't get into all the details, right? but right now there are like three different processes that people can use to purified salt, right? Even this table salt that we use comes to us in a purified form, right? So there is what we call the, the brining, the evaporating, and then there is also a chemical way of cleaning the salt, right? So all the salt that we get on our table, one way or another, is, um, is purified to a certain level, right? In those days, in Palestine, you know, you got what you got, right? So the historical, the grammatical, historical context is, you know, makes sense that the, the salt is contaminated, I cannot use it, right? So, but now there are ways to, to clean up the salt. But regardless of that, right, uh, for us, right, for us, then if I'm already contaminated, uh, what do I do? Wait, then you already said something. Let's get somebody else. Uh, uh, confess. Confess my sins. Okay, does that make sense? What does it mean when I confess my sin? God, you're right, and I'm wrong. I need to eliminate this aspect of my life, right? Keith. 
Oh, yeah. That's such a great thought, right? What is contaminating me? Because if I know it was contaminating me, then I say, okay, this is what I need to work on. What is rendering me less effective? Right. Sure, yeah, that's correct. You know, I, in the context now, it's, it's for me, right? What renders me as a Christian less effective? You know, I need to be in the world, but not out of the world. Right? So if I'm contaminated, what do I do? Well, I, I confess, right? I try to determine what, what it is that is contaminated. Matt, you have something? I thought, no. Okay. What else? Tom. Sure. No, no, I understand. You know, for example, how about uh, how about repentance? You think that has a way to has something to do? Yes, Albert. Yeah, you're willing to repent. How about uh, um, somebody mentioned Romans 12 earlier, right? Renewing of the mind. That will have something to do with That involves getting in the Word, right? And you say, yeah, God, I'm wrong. I need to correct that. Okay? Um, how about putting things off, like he talks in Colossians, you know, and different parts of Scripture. Put off the old man and put on the new man. Right? The things of the flesh. This is contaminating me. Whatever I need to take action on, right? Whatever it may be. I'm listening to the wrong thing. I'm watching the wrong thing. I'm doing the wrong thing. Whatever it may be, what is contaminating me? What is keeping me from being effective? Right? And Albert uh, did this to me before him, but I got a minute, so I'm, I'm right on. He did before the class started. Okay? So let me ask you one more question, and we'll close the, this. When is the salt effective. When is salt effective? When it is applied. When it is used. You know what we are here? We are the salt shaker. We are a salt shaker right here, right? We come here to encourage one another, to build each other up, but and we are going to have a positive influence on each one of our life, right? We can have that. But the Lord Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. My salad bowl is out there. Okay? And I need to be a godly, positive, difference maker in the world. Your thoughts before I close this in prayer. Keith. Somebody else? 
Tom? The difference make it in the light. Yeah, and the, and the reason is because the Lord is talking to us, right. right? The unbeliever needs to be saved, right? And and guess what? We are the people that can make a difference in our area of influence. Whatever God put us, we are there. We are not there by accident, right? The God has us in certain places. Uh, for the purpose that we ought to make a godly, uh, positive difference, whether it may be at work, whether it may be at school, whether it may be in the community, or whatever it may be, right? And I tell you what, this was uh, heavy on me this past week because I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm in, with my family, I'm with different people that I don't know, and I'm thinking, man, you know, these people may never get salted again, right? It's my responsibility to be the salt, to add some positive, some godly something into their life. And I'm talking about particular to the gospel, right? Oh, man, that, uh, that can be something. All right. Any final thoughts from anybody? No? Sounds good. Tom, would you close us in a word of prayer?